Hello, and welcome to Anime Audio Commentary. Today I'll be commenting on episode 41 of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. If you'd like to watch along, then start watching now. So last we left off, the big upshot of everything was that Winry had ultimately made it safely away, the Elric brothers were continuing their quest, and Major Armstrong has seemingly thrown in her lot with Wrath and the rest of the homunculi. In truth, uh, she's going to continue doing what she's always been doing, but she's sort of uh, keeping up appearances of loyalty. So, you know, despite getting away fairly cleanly, no one's really safe here, because Kimberly is definitely the type of guy to uh, pursue people relentlessly just for the fun of killing them. Yeah, Miles has the right idea here. You know, Kimberly's dangerous enough, but you also have to worry about his subordinates, so... If you get the opportunity, you know, you should really start picking them off. I mean, the two homunculi that are sort of defected, like, those guys are good. Or reasonably good, you know, that they were sort of willing to defect as they did. But, you know, you can't really count on everyone to be so willing to defect. It seems like... Edward is being a little bit naive here about what's going on. I mean, obviously he's sticking to his morals, you know, we're not gonna kill people just willy-nilly. But at the same time, Miles is taking the pragmatic approach here. A lot of these guys are too dangerous, therefore we should kill them before things get too hairy.
So ultimately, I think Miles is kind of right here. Edward's a little bit out of his depth up here in Briggs, and dealing with Kimberly, who we already know is a rather deranged killer. You know, I think uh, the better approach is perhaps kill first, ask questions later. I guess just to um, make Miles sort of seem a little bit better than he is, wantonly suggesting killing people, he's sort of speaking admirably about the Elric brothers in that they have chosen the more difficult path willingly. So, you know, if nothing else, they're, they're doing what's morally right even if it's difficult. So we're getting a little bit of a linguistics or history lesson here. It seems like gold is sort of like a universally kind of, I guess, well-viewed thing here. In that it figures into alchemy and alkahestry and everything like that. You know, it's also interesting that it really does seem like uh, Hohenheim was the one responsible for bringing alchemy to Shing. Yeah, it's weird in a kind of way, because like, we're sort of hinting at it, but given how long he's lived, it's almost certainly true. You know, I don't think anyone really becomes truly aware of that. I feel like it would just be like an interesting thing for people to be aware of, but I don't know if it would have any real bearing on the plot. Uh-oh. It seems like the blizzard finally got the better of Alphonse. Oh dear. Man, imagine being like buried in the snow like that. If he were living, he would be dead. But... I mean, given the condition he was sort of... displaying, it seems like, um... He's not exactly as immortal as his body would suggest. Well, immortal is the wrong term, I guess. Invulnerable to normal dangers. Yeah, so I'd kind of forgotten about that. Alphonse brings grim tidings for sure. You know, Briggs is essentially enemy-held territory now, so... Going there is kind of out of the question just because it's no longer safe. You know, this doesn't bode well, because they might have to make a trek over the mountains if 
the way Scar is looking is any uh, indication. So, you know, when you get down to it, Scar's idea isn't really that great, because it's effectively an Ishvalan refugee camp. I'd imagine most Demestrians aren't going to be too welcome there. But I suppose when the alternative is freezing to death, you know, it doesn't look so bad in comparison. So unfortunately, it seems like Miles is putting his plan into action here to uh, eliminate Kimbley and his men. So there's uh, a bit of a subterfuge going on here. You know, that's not really Alphonse, it's just a suit of armor meant to uh, look like him. And I guess the idea is hopefully they will be able to fool Kimberly with this deception. Although, given how astute he is, I'm not sure how well it's going to work, because with Alphonse, at least the eyes, you know, glow. It's a stylized thing for sure, but I'm sure it's in-universe as well. That, you know, quote-unquote Alphonse's eyes are no longer glowing. I feel like that's something Kimberly would pick up on and that would sort of tip him off as to the deception going on. Now, considering that Kimberly's just down to two goons, I'd imagine it'd be easy to say that uh, things are weighed pretty heavily towards Briggs. But at the same time, Edward's not willing to let Kimberly just get potted by some Briggs sniper. You know, it's interesting. I feel like Edward's acting out of concern. But at the same time, you know, Kimberly's aware of what's going on and sort of treats Edward as... being deceptive. I mean, he is in a sense, but he's not trying to get Kimberly killed. He's ironically trying to help him out here. Oh, dear. You know, I feel like there should have been enough time to take a little quick shot at him, but... That Kimberly was aware... You know, I feel like maybe he shouldn't have been standing out in the open if he knew what was going on. Oh dear, it looks like uh, those two from before weren't the only Chimera. These two have been modified as well. Kimberly really has an entourage of rather unfortunate people for them all to have been made into Chimeras, presumably against their will. You know, the two we already met 
They're none too keen on being chimeras. I can't imagine these two would rather enjoy it either. While the Elric brothers had the upper hand against the two Chimera before, because they were sort of distracted and the Elric brothers had the element of surprise, these two definitely aren't unaware of the score here, as it were. And given that Edward doesn't really have anyone to help him, I'd say he's got a pretty tough fight ahead of him. Oh dear. So this is what happens when you mess around in low visibility in an industrial sector. Uh, things get really bad really quickly. I mean, all things considered, a fall like that is uh, very, very deadly in all likelihood. You know, he's lucky he didn't break something important. So I feel like um, these guys are not quite appraised of the weather up in Briggs. You know, he's claiming the dynamite is too damp to work, but this far up north, you know, there would be very little humidity. So I would think the dynamite would not be damp. You know, it would just be cold and therefore still functional. But, you know, Edward had other plans, so it's all kind of moot. You know, Edward's not exactly a prime negotiator here. He's just saying, you know... Tell me everything, as if that's like a small ask. You know, if that's the approach he's going to want to take with Kimberly, he's going to have to, in all likelihood, beat the information out of him. Oh dear. So that's one Philosopher's Stone gone. You know, we know Kimberly has two, but that he lost one is, um... A considerable loss. You know, I'd imagine that's going to be like, uh, what do you call it, Chekhov's gun? Like, that's just going to be lying around and somebody's going to find it eventually. Probably no one good. Up oh, there we have it. Kimberly's pulling a bit of a fast one here. You know, I have two stones, so just because you didn't kill me, that means, uh... Well, now you get blown up along with the rest of this building. So, you know, I think Edward has the right idea philosophically. You know, killing is generally wrong, but 
I feel like if there's an exception that can be made, it should certainly be made for someone like Kimbley, considering he saw fit to basically, uh, collapse the entire building. So, uh, Edward survived. Good on him, I guess. And it seems like those two Chimera have survived as well, albeit buried under rubble. Knowing Kimbley, he's probably not too keen on helping his own men. So this, uh, this presents a big issue. Edward has been impaled rather drastically. And I guess he's lucky in a way in that the thing went clean through him. So it's sort of like stemming the blood flow a little bit. But, you know, it's really not good in any way whatsoever. Curiously, this seems to be affecting Alphonse adversely. You know, whether or not it's truly connected or just coincidental is... Um, well, it's purely conjecture at this point. Yeah, you know, if ever there was a time for this to flare up again, uh, now is certainly the worst possible time. Yeah, I'd imagine this is a pretty big nightmare for Winry to be in, considering her one friend who is basically hanging on by little more than a blood seal is now seemingly died for real. Now, Ed's in a pretty bad predicament here. You know, he's decided to sort of, like, remove the thing that had impaled him, or at least mostly remove it. And he's also made one of his last acts to help the Chimera, which is characteristic of him, but perhaps, uh not intelligent considering these guys could very well still have it out for him. So, you know, Ed could have been acting out of beneficence, but he's also trying to, uh, get them to try and help him by yanking the thing out of his gut. I mean, I feel like that's a pretty big ask, but considering that he saved them and Kimbley saw fit to bury them in rubble. Yeah. So, you know, the lion is making a good point. You know, once you pull that thing out of Ed's stomach, he will very likely bleed out real quick. Ed seems confident he can stem the bleeding, but, you know, he's never really done this before, but, you know, there's a first time for everything. I do know this sort of tracks with, uh, real-life first aid in that if you get, like, impaled by something or stabbed, the first thing you want to do is leave it alone. You know, if you pull it out, you'll bleed a whole bunch more, and... You know, something that might be survivable could become fatal. 
So, you know, Edward is pretty confident he can sort of repair the damage, but... I don't know. In his position, I certainly wouldn't be ready to sort of yank something like that out of my own body if it were the only thing sort of keeping me alive. So this is interesting. Edward is sort of um, using a theory of his the idea being that if a Philosopher's Stone is a conglomeration of souls, perhaps he could use his own soul to act as, like, the smallest possible Philosopher's Stone, and use that sort of energy to repair his own body. You know, it makes sense in theory, but... I feel like that would take a monumental effort of will to be able to use your own soul to do something like this. For what it's worth, it seems to have worked out for him. Yeah, well, you know, Ed has made a considerable leap in alchemical ability here. He's not exactly healed, as he himself admits, but he did manage to prevent himself from dying, so I guess that's worth the golf clap. So Edward, perhaps foolishly, is still intent on stopping Kimbley. Perhaps tellingly, these two Chimera, they found the Philosopher's Stone that Kimberly dropped, and, you know, they seem to no longer have any loyalty to Kimberly. You know, I think this is a lesson of sorts in that, you know, if you don't treat your underlings well, they have no reason to be loyal to you. And loyalty... Loyalty is certainly helpful, considering that these two guys are willing to tend to Edward and take care of him. Just because he selflessly acted to help them. I mean, it's not a hard and fast rule, but I think it's definitely a good takeaway.
Alright, well that's it for this episode. If you've enjoyed it, then by all means, tune in for the next one. See you, Space Cowboy.